everyone, welcome back to But Why Though the Podcast, the podcast where we talk about things in pop culture that people say matter and ask the question, but why though? Make sure if you want to add a little bit more support, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash butwhythoughpc, and make sure you interact with us on all of our social media, at butwhythoughpc on Instagram and Twitter, and facebook.com slash butwhythoughpc on there. Send us all of your comments, all of your feelings, and make sure you check out our newly improved website, butwhythoughpodcast.com, where we've added a writing team. So check out our blogs, check out our news, and uh, enjoy the show. Welcome back, and today we are going to be giving our slightly conpox-filled, because I'm a little sick right now, review of PAX South in San Antonio, which was this past weekend, January 12th through 14th. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and Adrian did not go to PAX South because, as we have said on the podcast before, he is 600 miles away from us, and making that trip is a little bit tedious. But... Matt did go, because if I went without him, that'd be a little bit weird. So, here's your host, Matt. Hello, and that would be weird if you went without me. I know. So, um, I guess the best place to start is the beginning. Um, And for me, we got our PAX badges in the mail, what, a month or two ago? Yes. And it made getting into the convention a hell of a lot easier than some of the ones we've gone to in the past. Yeah, for some reason, I don't know why, conventions, at least the ones we went to in the past, have not mailed out badges despite ordering tickets pretty early, but this one, glad we did. Yeah, so the process was really simple. You walked in, grabbed a lanyard from the giant lanyard box, and when I say giant, it's like, it's a huge giant glass box with a whole bunch of Monster Hunter lanyards, because Monster Hunter was there. Um, and you just clipped it on and walked into the expo hall, walked into wherever you were going, and it made it really easy. And even if you had to pick up your passes at will call, if you order them a little late, um, my little brother and my cousin, who we took for Saturday and Sunday, it took them maybe five to ten minutes to get all their stuff. Yeah, no, everything was pretty streamlined, yeah. pretty good. They, they, had their, they had their stuff together. Yes. So I definitely recommend if you are looking for a con to go to that's about mid-size, and uh, you don't want to wait through all the heavy lines, Pack South is a pretty good one. This is true. We did go there last year. Yep. And we didn't get the, the badges mailed to us last year because we ordered them, like, last minute. Yeah, no, same process. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, once we made it into the hall, the first thing I noticed was a giant-ass dragon. <laughs> they had a gigantic Monster Hunter booth with a pretty huge dragon. We, unfortunately, did not get to play um, the Monster Hunter game, but that was just because that line was capped every time we walked by it. Yeah. <laughs> so, unless you got there super, super early and did the queue, um, and you did li- and, and you lined up in the queue room, you probably weren't going to get to play Monster Hunter. Um, but, besides that, I mean... It was pretty straightforward, honestly. It, w- it didn't look smaller or bigger than last year to me. It looked about the same size, but what we didn't have was you didn't have the large PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo booths. You had a lot more just game-centric stuff with game accessories, so like Astro Gunner, um, 
DX racer, you had a lot of the, the things that you add on to the stuff, but not, not nobody from the actual systems. Yeah, they did have a lot of game booths. I mean, not that they don't before, but between Monster Hunter, as you mentioned, Minecraft, Dauntless, uh, Crypto... Divinity. Vidi- yes, uh, Divinity Sins. Cryptivo. Cryptivo? Cryptivo was the one with the dinosaurs. and Yes. Um, the one I think the only thing that was different than a lot of the other conventions we've been to so far, at least from the initial walk-in, is, I guess, the presence of Mixer slash absence of Twitch. Yeah, this is the first con we've been to that actually had Mixer there. Oh, yeah, or no, it was also like the first one that booth. did not have a Twitch booth either. Yeah, because usually when you walk into one of these cons, especially if it's gaming-centric, it is a giant-ass purple Twitch sign right as soon as you walk in, and it usually dwarfs, like, the Xbox signs or even a lot of, like, the publisher signs. Well, they have that bright purple that's very distinct and that, yeah. like, shows out. And they usually do streaming booths, which is one of the fun things that I always liked going to the cons because you get to see the streamers streaming like a little gas, glass case, like a little hamster. <laughs> well, Mixer <laughs> did that, so they did have all that, but they just didn't have, I guess, the usual people that we know as since we've known people from Twitch and watch a lot of Twitch. But no, they, Mixer did. They put on a pretty good show. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, their merch is really pretty, but yes, definitely. I I will say this: I like their color scheme better than Twitch's. I like purple, so I like Twitch. Uh, I like their blue with a different shade <laughs> of green blue with a different shade of blue. <laughs> um, on top of that, too, Discord was also there. In yes. probably the largest Discord lounge that I've seen at one of these conventions. Um, Discord usually has a pretty good-sized lounge for the most part. Um, they gave me free popcorn, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, this one was more, like, in the middle, since it was, like, kind of, I guess, That's right adjacent to uh, the mixer booth, whereas usually the Discord's more off to, like, one of the corner sides. And so you usually walk over there. So depending on how far you walk, whatnot, you might not notice it as much. I'll also say this. Discord, you make very, very comfortable hoodies. And it was the cheapest hoodie at the show, and it's probably my favorite hoodie now. So I did buy something from the Discord booth. You bought a lot of things. Oh, let's not talk about that. No. We kind of have to, though. (laughs) Eventually. Okay. Yeah, so Twitch did not have a giant booth, but they did um, run the arena, and the arena is where they have a lot of the large tournament competitions, and from what I remember, Tekken 7 and overwhelmingly Smash Brothers was what were being played most of the time that was there. Uh, All I remember is the Smash Brothers tournament for the most part. Yeah. They also had their usual uh, Hearthstone tournament. Yes, by Geico Gaming. Yes. Only Terrence wasn't there. No, he was not. He was playing in the Copa America. He did. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it was kind of weird not seeing them there. And it was funny because everybody kept asking us, because we have all of our Twitch gear from the first TwitchCon we went to, and we wear it probably more than we should. <laughs> probably wash it a little bit more. But everybody kept stopping us, and where'd you get that hoodie? Where'd you get that backpack? Where'd you get? It's like, well, no, we got a TwitchCon. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think also it's because I mean obviously I know they had big mixer streamers, but I don't know how many actual like big uh, partner Twitch streamers. I guess per se I know there was them there, but as like actually like I guess showcased. Yeah, because there's only about one person I knew that went. Yeah, and usually they have like an order an autograph section, and usually at I believe like Gassy was there last year. Yes. And um, Gassy Mexican on Twitch, he's probably one of my favorite streamers. Um, there's a couple of smaller but still big streamers that we watch all the time, and none of them showed up. So it was kind of, I mean, it was different. And I don't, yeah. I don't want to say, like, those Mixer streamers aren't big, because I don't watch Mixer, so I have no idea, like, 
what goes on there. Um, I watch Mixer every now and then, but and I think Mixer actually does a lot of cool things, especially compared to some of the stuff that Twitch does. Just unfortunately, basically the same thing I've been saying about everything in Microsoft is I just think they're a little late to the game. Yeah, they're trying to eat into a market that Twitch has already just completely started and took over. But, so. yeah. but no, they're doing good, though. It was nice to see them. I thought it was great looking booth. Oh, yeah. Kind of want to go watch the mixer now. Yeah, good point. <laughs> so since it is PAX, it is a gaming, and it wouldn't be an, a gaming convention if we did not check out some games. So for our highlights, at least for me, I got to... Play. I got to speak with The Forge, and The Forge is a new shooter from Canada, and it is pretty interesting. So it's a lot of team play, and when I was talking to the head guy there, he was saying that they were trying to move this into esports. So when they were doing mechanics, they were looking, they were looking for something that was very team-driven. And so one big aspect of this is they drop you into an arena. There are like three orbs in your spawn point. Three, however many people are playing, there are orbs in your spawn point. You pick up an orb. That orb is what lets you get into the main game. So if you die and you go back to your spawn and you have no orbs, you actually can't get back in the game. And you're dependent on your team members to kill somebody and take their orb in order to drop it in there for you to come back in the game. So it's a lot of team driven and it's a lot of that the entire weight of this game is on your shoulders person. (laughs) If you die, everybody is out. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. They were giving away free skins specifically for packs, right. um, which was really cool because I that's one of the reasons like I, I do enjoy MOBAs and shooters because I get new skins for things. <laughs> all the aesthetics. Yes, all aesthetics. Um, that and it has like um, the way it looks, the armor and stuff, it's really futuristic. It's kind of like that Destiny type armor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was really interesting. I'm hoping to get a beta code for it so we can bring you some information on that um, in a blog. Um, it was funny because listening and way you explained it, first thing that came to mind, even though it's not a thing, it just felt like the uh, first person shooter of dodgeball <laughs> to where yeah. people get knocked out and then you have to catch it, get a catch to get people back in. Oh, that's true. <laughs> That makes it cool. Yes. (laughs) So other than that, um, there was also, again this year, just Shapes and Beats, which we talked about on our PAX 2017 recap episode. And it's it's still a really fun game. Um, They're still there. I don't really know when they're coming to market, though. That that seems to be something that's kind of in the air. And because I know on that episode... It was said that they had gone, they had already been at PAX twice before. Yes. Um, but it's still a fun game. If you see them at a con, go play it. Um, hopefully, it's going to be available for purchase later. Um, we also got to, or I, I know you already knew what Divinity was, but I got to see people playing Divinity and just look at the art for it. <laughs> and it's so pretty, and I want to play it because it looks really cool. And they had like that Argonian type person. They had, it was really cool. Because they had like these little like this, like little tent type thing. You went in and you played the game. Um, that and I just really like fantasy games. Um, anything yeah. where you don't have to be a human. Yeah. So this game just released this past year, not that long ago. I think a few months, I believe in September. It's just a, a basically a role playing single player with some multiplayer aspects, and it's really good. A lot of fun. <laughs> but I think the difference between the multiplayer that's kind of been one thing is that I think it's more of a co-op type thing. It's not like an open world, like a original, like a 
I guess a Final Fantasy or a WoW type. It's not like a massive thing. It's more of just an actual like more of a Dragon Age, I guess, with multiplayer. If you so it's an MMO, just more like like no, the, was it, it's was it's an it? RPG. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not an MMO. Right. Yeah. Kind of like that Fable game where you could kind of have people come into your world. It's better than that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if you had any that stuck out for you. Um, the only game I really saw that was pretty cool that I, I didn't get a chance because I didn't get to talk to him, but I, I read their booth and everything, was essentially the Stock Exchange, I believe. And essentially it was just an educational tool to pe- teach pe- people how to use stocks and dividends and yields and about financing. Which I think is actually pretty lacking for a lot of people. That's why I have you. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, also, I got to see Brawlhalla out on the big screen. I'd seen a, I'd seen a streamer play it before, and it looked kind of cute. I downloaded it, but I didn't really play it. Um, it's not really my type of thing, but it's more like a Smash Brothers. But it's really cool. They had a giant booth. Yes. Um, and their booth was really cute. And if you put cute things, Kate's going to like go and stand there and try to see what the cute thing is. So... So how about we talk about the cute uh, things that people that you get to go talk to that literally oh. market their entire game based on cute things. They do. Uh, so Potato Pirates markets their game on their cute little potatoes. Um, and essentially what is what this is, it's a tabletop that was done to teach coding. So when you play, you get to learn the basics of coding by playing with other people and if you buy if you buy their game what they actually do is they send you a booklet that will help help you take what you've learned from the game and utilize it in an online area to actually write the code so from the way i from what they told me was that it is essentially condensing a 10-hour class into a game and it was it was really cute. They have like little bags of potatoes, and you get different cards and different cards of different actions. Um, and watching them kind of play it and explain it, it is something that really gives me a lot of hope for people realizing that game gaming, whether it is visually done in a digital way or if it's on a tabletop like this is this is the next wave of educational tools and this is something that we should be using and looking to because kids learn better when they're engaged and there is no better way to be engaged than playing you have to use all parts of your brain and you have to remember these rules and actions and things in order to progress so uh shout out to potato pirates because you're doing good work and i really like that and i want to learn to code and it's also really cute (laughs) <laughs> but they also uh, raised a whole bunch of money on Kickstarter as well. So you can find them on there. I'll make sure to link all of these things that we're talking about in the show notes for you to find. Yeah, no, it also seemed like there was quite a bit of educational type games there. There were a bunch. That's really cool. And there actually was a lot of educational stuff there, which actually is awesome the way they're doing games. Because one, whether it be coding, as you said, with Potato Pirates, but there's also a lot of digital marketing. Yeah. Like the University of LSU, which seems to be at a lot of conventions these days, selling their digital marketing. SMU was there. And also, basically, they have like even more professional platforms like Ghostly. And I think the other... Ghostery. Oh, Ghostery. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Ghostery. I used that at my software job. Yes. <laughs> and then I believe it's uh, CO Gecko or Go? Yeah. And then on top of that, too, um, there was also the Art Institute... Yes. And that and they had at least from what I saw how they had everything set up, they had different they had a booth 
and they had different screens put up and they had one for San Antonio, Austin, yep. Houston, all their different places in Texas. So you could get to know that campus and what they were putting out. Um, so for me, like as I mean, we've both taught students before in a college environment, like having these types of tools and people using this is it, it, it's really good. And it makes me really excited um, that and I think what at least from the marketing standpoint for having people like Ghostery here is that they're realizing there's a lot of money to be made in content creators. <laughs> also true. Because <laughs> there were a whole bunch of people that are that are small streamers coming up. There were a whole bunch of podcast cosplayers. Yes. All of these social marketing tools and digital marketing tools aren't just being used in in, in companies. Yeah, it's not just corporations anymore. Like, individuals are using it. Like, I'm hoping to use Ghostry in our own website analytics and stuff like that. It shows you the importance because everybody's taking notice that content creators are actually this new wave of marketing materials for games, but also a new line of work, mostly. Right. Um, so... Back to gaming. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also played a lot of tabletops, which yes. we didn't do last year. Right. Um, one, I have to mention, I don't remember what episode we mentioned it on, but the game Evolution, the tabletop is a, is available at Target right now, and you can go pick that up. We played that, um, which was super, super fun. You essentially get to make little animals, and you give evolutional traits, and you have to... Um, you have to have your people survive and you have to have the most food tokens at the end. And so it, it, it it's an evolution game because it's called evolution. Um, but beyond that, they actually have a computer based one as well um, that I just that I got a beta code as well as a pre-sale for. So I will be playing that and putting out a piece on that later, probably in about a week or two um, on our website. Um, but it's probably my favorite thing, and it's also really cute, which I'll probably say a lot because all my favorite things tended to be cute here. I also find it funny that basically between what all some of the other games we had here, between Evolution, they also have a prehistoric uh, kingdom, which essentially is almost like Zukai Toon with dinosaurs, and obviously between Monster Hunter and some other. Apparently, dinosaurs are really in right now. And They've looking come at the game, and with the game lineups of coming up, there's been I think four RTS games that come out like within the last few months or scheduled to come out here soon that are literally just dinosaur based. Thank you, Jurassic Park and Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, well, there is a Jurassic World <laughs> or game Jurassic coming, World, yeah, coming out this year as well. But no, there's been. They had a few games like that between Evolution and stuff, and we played another one, basically Velociraptor Cannibalism. Yes, it is a fun game. <laughs> which is another tabletop game, but yeah, basically, apparently people really are loving dinosaurs right now, and people are developing awesome but dinosaur were, games. But were dinosaurs ever not cool? I don't know. They were always cool. Well, they were. They're just making money off of them now. They've always been that. <laughs> Yeah, actually, uh, Velociraptor Cannibalism was really fun because you play with these different mats and you get like a base raptor. Mine was Sprinkles and Matt's was Brian. Yes. And as you go through the game, you get to mutate your raptor or your, yeah, your Velociraptor to have different body parts. They'll have like the wings of a bumblebee or brontosaurus feet. 
and that gives it different things and it has to like fight predators eat things which made me sad because all like the prey cards are really really cute um, but I'm not sure when that game came out. That's an older game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but... no, that was just one we kind of ran and saw. Yeah. That was, it just kind of went with the dinosaur theme. Oh, yeah, but that but that's the cool thing about PAX is PAX isn't just walking the expo hall floor because the expo hall closes at 6, but the tabletop area stays open till midnight, and it's a good way to play the games that you've seen on the floor and get exposed to new ones or even just start playing tabletops. Um they also have a PC LAN that was sponsored by uh, um, Lenovo Legion as well. Yes. Um, but so far as the other tabletops we played, we played what? Sushi Go. Yes. I bought a swag bag type thing. It's $40, and it's an over-the-shoulder bag, and it's called Dragon Bag. And they're at a lot of conventions, and it's it's just like a black bag with a dragon on the front. <laughs> and you give them $40, you pick your bag, and then there's a ticket inside. And if it's a silver ticket, you get a silver tier additional prize and if it's a purple ticket you get a purple additional prize i got a pair of goonies trading cards which i'm probably going to use on my flight today to play some solitaire um but what's really cool is it was worth it i got a lucio funko i got a fidget i got a fidget spinner um which matt is now obsessed with fidget spinners alternative facts Um, and I got a League of Legends, like, little, like, collectible toy, and it was, it was worth it. It was 40 bucks. I used that bag all weekend after that, so it was really fun, and they're called Dragon Bags, just, I've seen them, I think I've seen them at every con that we've been to. Yeah, I was like, I don't even, I think that's their official name, I'm sure, I just know that everybody calls them Dragon Bags. Exactly. And they sell a lot of dragons. Exactly. Whether they be dragon cards, dragon bags, or dragon statues. Dragons. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was really cool And we got a game called Dragon Whisper Exactly <laughs> <laughs> And that was actually a pretty fun game Yeah, no um, It was like simple mechanics Little board, you play cards And then you put cards of a color on And Fun fact, I want all of these games Except Sushi Go Which I blame to the fact that it was like at 11.30 at night Yes Very late Yes yeah, which is the cool thing, because you can stay in the con hall very late. Um, so it, it packs, at least from what I've seen, and actually getting to stay in the, in the tabletop area, is it is very community-driven, and they also have um, they have these giant cones that you can put on your table for looking for groups. So if, you, if you're playing a game that needs four people, but you only have two, you can put up your cone, and people come sit with you and play. And to top off the gaming, we actually saw a brand new platform that's out for iOS and Android right now called Metal, M-E-D-A-L. And what it is is essentially Instagram for gaming. So, like, the way he explained to me is if you're going to spend a couple of time, a couple of moments on Instagram just kind of, like, mindlessly slipping, going through your photos, you can do the exact same thing on Metal, only you're looking through, like, gaming highlights from, like, League of Legends, Smite, and the way it works is you download the app, you go into the app, and you can favorite games, and once you favorite them, they'll put them into your pool, and then you can just go through and look at them. It's pretty cool. Sounds a lot better than Instagram's new stuff. It does. <laughs> um, so make sure to check that out. Yeah, no, they had a lot of games. They had a lot of stuff. I mean, we didn't play some of the bigger games only because I do not wait in lines. Yeah, this is true. I refuse to wait in lines no matter what. I still haven't got a debit card because I refuse to call because I don't like waiting in line. Yes. <laughs> but but um, overall, no. Like we, I think from this year, from last year, this year, I think good because we did experience more 
I guess not only just playing the games we played some last year, but I guess playing like tabletops and going to there, which we did not do as much last year. Mm-hmm. But no, they definitely had fun. Also, I did not know that there were so many different dice companies. Yes. There are so many. And I wanted to buy all of them. Because if you don't know, we just started our D&D campaign that we were running on Twitch every week. Um, and when I went in there, I was like, now I see why people buy dice. Um, so, yeah, beyond that, too, like, we just want to give a quick shout out to our cosplayers. Um, not our cosplay. Well, yes, to our cosplayer. We have a cosplayer. We do. Quinn, who was with us all weekend, she runs Cosplay Corner on our website where she breaks down um, a lot of the processes of making different elements of your cosplay, whether it's attaching horns to wigs or turning foam into leather. She was able to be in and out of costume a lot this um, this past weekend. She was Deathstroke and then, oh my god, she's going to kill me, a Voltron character. I don't have to say the name because she's not going to get mad at me because I was mad she removed the lights. Yeah, she did initially have lights in her mask, but she could not see, so she remade the mask without the lights. You can be blind. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she was in and out of uh, cosplay. Um, but on top of that, uh, we got to see uh, Dr. Robotnik, who was there last year. And he actually was, uh, we were able to stop him and get him on our PAX recap last year, <laughs> which was awesome. And he didn't break character. Um, Mirror Bright Cosplay was also there again this year in their amazing overwatch costumes and then on top of that i actually a lot of the people that i took pictures of didn't have cards or twitter handles or anything to shout out (laughs) like they were just good we had a lot of there were a lot of people with a different poke there was a different pokemon uh, cosplays there was one that had a a gyarados raptor on his body there was one that had a Lugia wrapped around his body. And then there was one who had Onyx wrapped around his body. But the cool thing was the other ones just had, like, the puppet. He actually had Onyx that he had made himself. And he was dressed like Brock. Yes. So that made me very happy. Um, also, I feel basically if you're a parent and you do not dress your kid up as Pikachu and bring him to a convention, you're failing at something. Exactly. There were so the- many baby <laughs> Pikachus. <laughs> or even just a general Pokemon in general. Yes. Um, there was also some predators, but I think my favorite two who I need to call out right now is um, she is that J Justice on Twitter, and she was Commander Shepard, and she was amazing because she was wearing my favorite armor that I wore in the games when I played. So I had to get a picture of her because it was just so well done and she is amazing and I have her card and I was looking through her stuff and she just does really great cosplays. Um, Her She-Hulk is really cool and so is her Wonder Woman and oh my God, I am now your fan. She was running a booth in in the diversity lounge but we will complete talking about that area in a minute. And then on top of that, we also had um, on Instagram, she is Motor City Pretty Creative. And on Twitter, she is Motown Her Storin. And she was an amazing Captain America. She had a perfect shield and everything. And I just wanted to be her friend. <laughs> she was so cool. She was so cool. And her uh, her boyfriend slash handler was uh, he had a, a booster gold T-shirt. So I got into like a 20 minute booster gold conversation because, I mean, you have to talk about booster gold. Only booster gold talks about booster gold. Yes. <laughs> and gets confused for the Green Lantern. 
A little bit. <laughs> um, so thank you guys for doing amazing cosplay. And and then on top of that, um, on Instagram, they are they did this as a duo. It's at Hopi Chan, H-O-P-I-E-C-H-A-N, and X he he X. Um, both are on Instagram and they I don't even know what they were, but they were really cool. One of them was in like old man makeup, but it was like really, really interesting. It was awesome. Anyway, I'm gonna put all of our pictures from cosplayers on our Facebook, Instagram, and we're also gonna put them up in our website under our events tab. And so you can go ahead and check that out there. And that was pretty much it. I mean, this is probably the first convention where a lot of the people that I took pictures of actually didn't have business cards to hand out. Yeah, no. It was really interesting. I guess we should talk about the Geico Gecko in the Minecraft that I've never seen you run so fast to. Oh, yeah, there was a guy walk. So they, uh, Geico Gaming is always at all of these gaming conventions, but they actually had a dude walking around in a gecko suit. So that was really cool. Yes. And I, had, I took a picture with him, and they had um, a creeper from Minecraft that I also took a picture with. I think you just liked the Gecko Gecko. I did like the Gecko Gecko. And I mentioned the Diversity the diversity Lounge, which is where I found at that J Justice. And that is a really great space. And it's something that I'm really ha- happy that PAX has. So the Diversity the diversity Lounge is, is just what it says. It's an area where a whole bunch of different groups, um, whether you're a person of color, you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, you're disabled, um, you there's an area where they have groups that focus on bringing gamers of those backgrounds together. It's a place for you to feel included and safe and just happy and be able to be yourself. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing, like, because as a woman of color in, in, in the community, like, it's not always bad. The majority of the time, it's great. But to just go into a space where you know that there there's somebody like you to, like, connect with, that's just really great. But on top of that, there is also um, a charity that we're hoping to bring on to our Missions That Matters program, um, Take This. And it is a... It is a nonprofit organization which makes mental health its focus. What they do is they aim to um, decrease the stigma around mental health in the gaming community. And their main thing is it is okay to not be okay. They have different materials for you to be able to find a therapist, um, a little, it's like a little flow chart. Like, how do you find one that's good for you? Where do you go? Um, and on top of that, they actually sponsor an AFK room. And this is something that they do completely on their own. And at, at PAX's, it's a room that is, in the words of doctor, at Dr. B underscore Seattle, um, who is the clinical um, psychologist um, there for the organization. It's the most boring room at the convention by design. <laughs> it is extremely quiet. There are coloring books. And as somebody who has to deal with anxiety, having a space where you can just have everything canceled out, especially at something like a convention, that's amazing. Um, so they're doing great work. And that is one of the many charities that we saw at this convention because I actually think this is a convention where there were so many different nonprofit volunteer organizations compared to other ones. Yeah, and they actually even did a panel, which we had attended. Yeah, Take This did do a panel, which was called It's Dangerous to Go Alone. And it was a panel all about talking. Actually, I would say it was about normalizing talking about your own personal experiences with um, different issues. And it was 
it was just really great to hear. For me, it really impacted me going to it. Um, just to hear people give their personal stories, which we're not going to talk about on here because it is they are personal. Go to a panel next time they have it. Um, but it was just really great. And for me, knowing that there is an organization that is doing this is really important because I've personally used gaming to calm my anxiety. I like there and there is a lot of like there have been studies that show that people in this community, whether it's gaming or tabletop, do have issues with social anxiety, do have issues with depression, and knowing that there are people that are actively trying to help us get help and help people realize that it's okay, like they say, it's okay not to be okay is really important. It was a good panel. I mean, like I said, it was just, it was kind of straight to the point and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, one, I mean, it was a panel it's something you should go to obviously probably i don't know so much talking about but it is something you should go to and listen and take yeah as far as also they did a which was also cool because much we talked about the inclusivity of this diversity lounge and stuff they did a handheld gaming tournament within Mm -hmm. there so anybody that came in there you registered and you played in a tournament so all the people that were sitting outside within the lounge all were playing in a little handheld tournament oh that's cool i didn't know that yeah that's what they were doing and obviously, as census as gaming and whatnot to relieve, basically they set up like once again the Texas Game- Gamers Lounge right beside their the diversity lounge. So you go in there, talk to some people, find some stuff, and then you can relieve and go play arcade games. Yeah, there were more charities and nonprofit organizations here than we have ever really seen at other conventions. There were. Um, two that we've worked with, two that also have Missions That Matter episodes in our backlog. Please go listen to them and find out more about these communities. Stack Up and One Up on Cancer. Stack Up is focused on helping veterans through gaming, and it is an organization run by vets for vets. So, And we also found out while we were there that um, Stack Up has been known for doing their, their their care packages that they send to active duty as well as their air assault program where they bring veterans um, to different conventions as well as to uh, game developer studios. Um, but on top of that, they also started a new program called Stop that is all uh, which is all around um, helping raise awareness about veteran suicides and help. And helping get and helping pair people with mental health professionals to help um, help stop this crisis. Yeah, no. Hopefully, we'll get to learn some more, like I guess, in depth with them on their stop program. But they also what they did, which we also went to, a, they did a panel called War Stories, uh, Veterans and Gaming, which I think they kind of showcased. Uh, I guess their stop program, but they kind of almost really it almost seemed like exactly the same panel as where what Take This did. Not necessarily exactly the same, but basically they, what it says, they shared stories, talked about what people went through in that time, and kind of how to get through it, and what are some ways to get through it, and how gaming has helped them. Yeah. It gave you the proof. You had, yeah. vet- they were veterans talking about why gaming was important to them and what they got through. Um, and on top of that, they had a, they had a really long Q&A, too. Yes, yes. Basically, <laughs> Q&A lasted from the panel to where... Everybody that was in line, these six people ran out of time to where, obviously, uh, the founder and the head person of the uh, panel, Stephen, basically wanted to answer everybody's questions. So him and plus the panelists all sat outside the, basically, the panel room, or excuse me, the theater, and answered everybody's questions until everybody was gone. Yep, it was amazing. 
I mean, I'm probably using that word way too much, but just seeing the work that these charities are doing, it's something that is, it needs to be done, and it's just really great. I mean, the fact that they're, like, they understand, if you're looking for a veterans charity that understands what veterans need, what better way to find one than one that is actually veterans doing that work? Yeah, and they're pretty much everywhere. Yes, they are everywhere. Um, there is probably a stack near you, so head on over to stack-up.org. Yes. And let's talk about our other lovely friends. Yeah, no, so we are really good friends with Chris and Christina, who run One Up on Cancer, and uh, I'm really sad I didn't get their DX Razor chair. Apparently everybody was giving away chairs. We <laughs> wanted no chairs, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so their booth um, was brought to was brought to packs by Tiny Build and DX Racer. Yep. So they had a really large raffle where they were giving um, giving giving away different prizes from those two um, from those two brands. Um, they did really great raising money. Yes, they did. Um, they were like what two thousand over two thousand dollars. They were over two thousand dollars from the last I saw. I'm not sure what their exact totals were. Yeah, there were definitely people at the end just rushing in as for the raffle, just donating everything. Yeah, I mean, and on top of that too, they were. We tried to talk with Chris and Christina, um, but every time we'd walk by, we we were, we'd have to circle around because they were so busy. Yes, this is probably the one of the busiest times that I've seen them. Well, yeah, they weren't like at RTX thrown in a corner. Yeah. Well, they were, but it was a good corner. Yes. <laughs> so the way they, um, the way that PAX kind of set up a lot of the charities on the floor was they put them at the corners, but you had to pass directly by those corners to get to a lot of the main areas. So in order to get to the tabletop and the and the and the land, you had to go by went up on cancer. Yes. Um, and went up on cancer really briefly. We have an episode on them, so go and listen to that. But what they do is they raise money to help pay for people's cancer bills, adults with cancer. Yep. Um, so they help people directly. Yeah, no, I mean, we can say because they literally are probably one of the most straightforward one people you'll meet in. What are what they do? Mm-hmm. You need help with bills. We raise money. We give you the money to pay for your bills. Cancer sucks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other one that was on the floor, which we did not get a chance to talk to, because one, we actually did not see them. <laughs> that, yeah, so I did not know they the were ex- there, Yeah, honestly. this is the exception to what I just said. I feel um, bad, but I, it was one of those, I honestly did not see them until the very last end of the day three. Yeah, and it was a child's play, and they were... I mean, I think it was hard, too, because there weren't really other booths around them. They had the giant, like, Air Force 4D thing. Right. And that was it. And then yeah. them. And the, I think part, when you're walking, at least that way, we saw the Penny Arcade signs on there. And I didn't see the child's play on there. Yeah. It was on the other side. But no, they seem to be... I, I think they still did pretty well. But yeah, we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk to them because yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. I didn't see them. Um, also, the Diversity Lounge also had um, Able Ga- the Able Gamers charity. Yes. Um, which we've talked about before in our past con recaps. But what they do is they help get... Um, controllers for people with um, with who are differently abled and aren't able to use traditional controllers. And then um, also on the expo hall floor was Play to Beat Brain Cancer, which I hadn't seen before. And no. it it is a family run nonprofit um, in memory of um, 
I believe it was started started by a father, but it's in memory of Lisa Clipsham, and I apologize if I if I if I got the last name wrong. Um, but it was launched in twenty in twenty sixteen in memory of their daughter who lost a three year battle to a, gli- a glioblastoma, and she loved playing board games, and so what they did is they go and they do fundraisers for individuals but how they do those fundraisers is they play what that individual loves so if it's soccer or bowling or D&D it, it all just has to do with who what that person loves and they fundraise for them and um, being located in Kansas if the money that they raise um, doesn't go to the individuals a lot of it goes to um, the, re- the Cancer Research Center there as well yeah for the University of Kansas yes um, so they're doing a lot of great work to help beat the disease um, so please make sure you check them out. They, um, they have a Twitch, twitch.tv slash play to beat underscore BC. They're on Facebook at PTBBC1. And you can also go to their website, ptbbc.org. And, uh, yeah, make sure you check out all the people that we've talked about. And one, also, if you are located in Kansas, they do a lot of, like, local stuff. Oh, okay. They do a lot of local events in their area. The other nonprofit that we saw was Teals, and they are uh, they're an arm of Microsoft Philanthropics, and what that is is they're an organization that takes coders and software designers and um, people who know computer science, and they use them as volunteers to go into different schools and teach the teacher computer science. But while they do that, they're also teaching the students. So instead of giving of, so instead of just giving computer science classes to one class, what they're actually doing is they're teaching teachers to be proficient in teaching computer science. Because there are a lot of places in the United States that do not have computer science courses, believe it or not. And a lot of that happens because um, it may be a poor school district. The um, the, the educational boards may not have privileged it, and their goal is to make this come to every single school, to every single school, so that the children in those schools are better prepared for a world where computer science is, it's leading the way. Yes, it's also one of those programs that I mean, unlike math and English and stuff, where you can basically teach that with almost just a paper and pencil. Computer science, you need. Computers. computers. Yep. I mean, you can teach it, and there's a lot of note taking takes involved in that. I mean, you can do in pen and pencil paper. Yeah, excuse me, pencil and paper. But for the most part, you will need a computer to make sure to know all of this. And buying computers, no matter how cheap they've become compared to the earlier days, they're still expensive, especially in a grand scheme in like call or excuse me, in classrooms and all. Yeah, and what they do too is, or one of the things that they've been able to prove is that Teal students actually scored 10% higher than the national average on their APCS exams. And that that's huge. Yeah, no, computer that's science really is growing. It, it, people need to learn to use computers. Even if you don't like computers, unfortunately, you will have to. I mean, yeah. even our phones at this day and age are pretty much almost basically computers. Yeah, and I think the important thing here is it is... It is a volunteer organization that are taking people who have this experience and they're building sustainable CS programs for people out there. Um, So if we don't, we're going to try and reach out to everybody that we mentioned here, um, either for a follow up 
or for a, a new episode so we can highlight them and show you more of the work that they're doing and you can get to know these organizations better. Um, check out our show notes for all of their links, social media accounts, and make sure you give them a follow and reach out to see what they're doing and what you can do to help them. And so, I mean, that's it for the charities. Um, I think we've covered everything this episode. So any last thoughts on the convention? So going from nonprofits to the staple of conventions, merch booths, um, I may have or may have not spent a lot of money this convention. You did. May have or may have not spent a lot of money this convention. Uh-huh. Now, they still had a lot of, still quite a bit of merch booths. It was actually surprising because it didn't have as many as some of the other conventions we've been to, which was actually pretty nice. They seemed to have one of each. Yeah. Which was pretty good. Instead of having four, I didn't need a mystery box every corner I went around. But I'm also, I see why people love mystery boxes, where one of the booths had mystery t-shirts, mystery plushies, where you literally paid essentially almost a quarter of the price, but it was a complete mystery. And I think I bought like three mystery t-shirts. I don't like any of them, but I bought them. <laughs> it was that gift unwrapping experience. Maybe I'll give them away to people on the podcast. I don't know. Unless <laughs> Kate takes them, but I do not like them. <laughs> yeah, I ended up uh, getting a Garrus uh, Vicarian shirt from Mass Effect, um, which I've had my eye on the last three conventions, but I hadn't bought. Um, and then I had a wardrobe issue, so I had to buy a new shirt. Um, and then... I bought the Dragon Bag, which was a great investment. I'm actually going to be using it when I'm heading, um, after, when I jump on my plane to San Francisco um, immediately after this recording. And then, what else did I buy? You bought a Discord hoodie. Oh, I did buy, I, I mentioned the Discord hoodie. You already. bought mystery jewelry. I did buy mystery jewelry. Which you totally regretted. Yes. Which I told you not to buy in the first place. Yes, but I did. Terrible. What else did I buy? Oh, and I bought a hat. I bought a Star Wars hat. Yeah. That's what I bought. And then you then you whined for about 20 minutes because you could not buy anything with the pug. Yes. Which um, the most distinct part of the convention was they decided to do a giant, like, 15-foot inflatable pug. Yes. It was the We Love Fine booth. Um, they do a lot of the geeky clothes, um, specifically for women. Um, it's kind of like, if you don't know what We Love Fine is, think of a Her Universe, but expand what they do. Um, and they do a lot of, like, the cute fat animal things, too. Which is awesome. Yes, it is. Don't okay. shake your head. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, they also sold out. Oh, the other thing, too, is it was like almost, they may not have had like a lot of like designated merch spots, but a lot of the vendors were selling their own merchandise this yes. time. Alienware were selling, was selling their own things. Discord were selling their own things. Astro, like, even the the indie devs and stuff were selling t-shirts hmm. um so that was something that was really interesting and something i don't think i've really seen that much um but yeah that was kind of the merch the merch i guess you just don't go to them because i remember a lot of them already i selling. don't remember alien where's been selling their own merch probably the last three conventions we've been to well i haven't paid attention same to with them. tiny build we got free stuff from tiny build no, they've been selling it for the last three conventions. Then how did we get it free? Because we went to one the pre on the fourth previous convention. Okay. <laughs> anyway, a lot of people were selling a lot of things. Um, but yeah, so I think that's pretty much the entire convention. Um, do you have any last thoughts? So since we're wrapping up, how do you feel about from last year's PAX South versus this year's PAX South? 
kind of thought it was the same, but different. I don't know. I feel like I had a better experience this time because I actually think getting to do the tabletops was a big impact on like the amount of time we spent in the convention hall versus we spent outside of it. And then um, I also know because we have made friends with uh, with um, with the people from Stack Up and uh, One Up on Cancer, we had a lot more people to talk to and just kind of experience the convention with. So I thought it was awesome, and I think it was better. So yes, once better. again, pretty much the community. The community one. was the best part. <laughs> no, no I, I actually really enjoyed this. I enjoyed actually both packs we've been to. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, I think, yeah, knowing people, especially people as you meet going to more of these conventions, it's great. Because you, you know, I guess you have more people to interact with, and which is, I think, the whole purpose of... Conventions. Yes. <laughs> Finding people who love what you love. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so I would definitely recommend checking out a PAX. I believe the next one is PAX East in Boston. Yes, so they basically go PAX East, then they go PAX West slash Prime, which is in Seattle. Somewhere within there is a PAX Australia, but I have no idea when that is. Yeah. I don't bother to look or pay attention to that. No offense to PAX, except for the fact that that's a far away that I know. I can't swim or drive that and I think the only thing I had was kind of a little disappointed with PAX. I mean, it wasn't even a PAX thing. was the Twitch meetup that we did not get a chance to go to. Oh, yeah. For some reason. I mean, I'm sure they had great logical reasons, but it was from 5 to 9. And the convention didn't even close. Expo 4 didn't even close till 6. Yeah. And panels we were going to didn't even end till almost 8. Because it was all ages. Yeah, and it was very packed from everybody, I told. That was even hard to get in unless you were there early. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get to go to one of those when they rotate back around to Austin. Yep, hopefully. So if you went to PAX South 2018, let us know how your experiences what how your experience was. Was it amazing? Was it just good? What did you like? What didn't you like? Tell us. Uh, Facebook.com slash but why though PC. You can also send it to us on Twitter at but why though PC and check out our website but why though podcast.com there is a contact us section that sends us a direct email um, and as for me you can find me at oh my myth on Instagram and Twitter Matt and you can find me on Twitter at that M 18 D A T T M 18 I almost mispronounced my own Twitter handle it's been that kind of weekend yes uh, but yeah so let us know what you thought Bye. Bye.